Well, first off, I want to thank uh, Montana Historical Society for allowing me to come here again. Uh, last year I presented on a part of my master's thesis that looked at the origins of uh, science and engineering departments here in, at Montana State University and Montana Whole and how it was connected with Columbia. So what we're going to be talking about today is, is kind of near and dear to my heart in terms of science and technology and its effects here in Montana. I'm going to try to stay on my, my notes. Um, my wife warned me this morning as I left to do not go off book because you don't make sense when you go off book. So I will stick to this as much as possible, but uh, there's no promises uh, going forward. So two years ago, uh, this October, I was invited to go to lunch to meet with a group of retired engineers to discuss the possibility of a history project. In the back room of Bozeman's Pizza Hut, I met a number of retired professors and staff members from Montana State University. The project these engineers presented, presented to me was a history of a program called Electronics Research Laboratory, or ERL for short. Everyone there was involved with ERL at some point in their career, whether it was as a student, professor, or staff member. The goal was to collect the personal accounts of the ERL staff and preserve them for future engineers and historians. Many were willing to participate in recorded interviews. Additionally, they were willing to provide various materials for the study, including actual reports written for the projects, similar to the layout you see it in front of you, uh, images, newspaper clippings, and other ERL-related materials. In order to preserve the history of ERL and the men and women who worked in it, we had to begin to develop an archive that would be useful for future generations. Soon thereafter, I began to figure out how to manage the amount of material that we had and would be receiving, as well as what I needed to do to pursue an oral history of ERL and its staff. Now, I was fortunate to be involved in this project as I had conducted several interview-based studies in previous years. Additionally, my master's thesis, which I was working on at the time, focused on the history of Montana State University in Bozeman, specifically in the engineering and science departments. Therefore, I was uniquely situated to manage this project as it provided me with new insights into the world of engineering and technology and its evolution through the 20th and 21st century. However, I'm getting ahead of myself before we talk about the Electronics Research Laboratory, uh, when it was formed in its lifespan here at MSU, we need to go back and look at the enge what engineering was like at MSU from its inception in 1893 to the mid-1950s. In 1893, Montana became the, f the site of the first land-grant school and the first College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts in Montana. Among its first faculty were Augustus M. Ryan as the president of the college and professor of engineering, and professor Frank W. Trepagan as professor of chemistry and natural sciences. Three decades earlier, in 1862, Abraham Lincoln signed the College Land Grant Act, better known as the Morrill Act, into law. This act created the opportunity for each state to establish and support at least one college of agriculture and mechanical arts, which would later become engineering. Through the selling of public lands, states built colleges meant not for the elite, but for average citizens. Additionally, the coursework of this college would focus on practical studies. These new schools provided the opportunity for engineering studies, including a growing interest in electrical engineering, mining engineering, and metallurgy. On June 7, 1897, Montana Agricultural College, which is what it was called in the, in the first years, designated $2,500 for electrical engineering apparatus, thus beginning the electrical engineering department. Between 1897 in 1950, the engineering departments grew. 
and had a variety of success. However, by 1954, it appears that only chemical engineering had a research program attached to its graduate program. The Dean of Engineering, Dr. E.W. Schilling, met with Dr. Donald K. Weaver, Jr., who was a senior research engineer at Stanford Research Institute in 1952, about the possibility of creating an electric engineering research laboratory at Montana State College. Subsequent discussions between Dean Schilling and Weaver indicated a willingness to consider a research and graduate program here at MSC. In 1955, SRI sent Weaver to conduct a study about the advantages and problems with this idea. The survey indicated several advantages of research program and its effect not only on the college but on the development of opportunities in Montana for the state's own technically trained youth. During 1955 and 56, SRI had a contract with Air Force Cambridge Research Center that focused on the development and demonstration of an experimental meteor burst communication system. In the course of this study, Bozeman was selected as a suitable remote link. In June of 1956, SRI subcontracted excuse me, uh, responsibility to the Endowment and Research Foundation at MSC and Dr. Weaver, who had joined the staff at MSC. SRI agreed to loan a considerable amount of capital equipment to Montana State College and also to, to supply necessary government-furnished equipment required by remote stations. Thus, Electronics Research Laboratory at Montana State College was born. During its first two years, ERL relied on SRI for research contracts. However, due to the recession in the fall of 1957, SRI had to pull their financial support, leaving ERL on its own. It has been suggested that the launch of Sputnik may have saved ERL from sudden death. For soon after Sputnik's launch, ERL began to obtain several research contracts uh, from Rickson Electronics, Hoffman Electronics, Rome Air Development Center, and the Technical Material Corporation, just to name a few. Between 1958 and 1961, ERL grew rapidly, doubling in research income each year, and by 1963, its annual income was around $460,000. $100,000, sorry. Did I say that right? Four hundred sixty, yeah, thousand uh, dollars. From an original staff of three, ERL had grown to a staff of fifty by 1961. The number of graduate students grew from an average of one per year prior to 1956 to more than twenty by 1961. In 1960, Dr. Brian J. Bennett joined the faculty at Montana State College as head of electrical engineering department. Eventually, Dr. Bennett would become dean of engineering. At around the same time, Robert Leo arrived from Arizona to begin working in developing the area of computer techniques and digital circuit techniques at MSC. In time, Robert Leo would become the second and final director of ERL as he helmed the program throughout the latter part of the 1960s and into the 1970s. It was also during this time that ERL was granted secret clearance by the United States military. This allowed ERL to develop projects for different branches of the U.S. military and its affiliated corporations. For example, when the Minuteman Missile Weapon Systems was being installed in Montana, it opened the door for a long-term relationship with e between ERL and the Boeing Company. In time, this security clearance and ERL's work with international agencies provided the opportunities for ERL staff and products to travel overseas to places like Thailand and Vietnam. Some ERL staff members who eventually departed to form Montronics, which I will discuss later on in the presentation, um, and then in time returned to ERL, were involved in designing equipment for the atomic test series in the Pacific in 1962. 
The Electronics Laboratory resided at Montana State College's campus in Bryan Labs. Graduate students and some staff had offices in the upper level of the building named for the pre first president of Montana State College. This building was ultimately de demolished in the 1990s and replaced by the Engineering and Physical Science Building today. The professors who were also ERL staff members had offices in Roberts Hall, and in time this separation of offices uh, was somewhat resolved with the building of Cobley Hall, uh, which resides between the, these two buildings. In Ryan Labs, this space was divided between different research groups in ERL and with other engineering departments. The image on the right shows the layout of Ryan Labs in 1966, and you can see some of the different groups and what they're actually, uh, how they're laid out in, in this building. ERL also had a field site, which was referred to as the log cabin, because it was a log cabin. Um, <laughs> this building resided near the football stadium and was the location for many communications-based projects. At the end of the 1960s, ERL and the Endowment and Research Foundation uh, developed the idea of a research park. This park would allow fledgling businesses, some of which spun out of ERL, an opportunity to have the necessary laboratory spaces and offices to develop their businesses. It is now referred to as the Huffman Building and currently houses the MSU Campus Police. ERL was focused on research, both basic and applied, engineering research and consultation, product design and development, data acquisition and processing, and environmental research and, inst and instrumentation. Aspects of these goals may be found in some of the projects that I will show you here in a moment. Um, and in this also included in the image you see, which demonstrates a mobile unit measuring noise from the power lines. Uh, this highlights the fact that ERL, the staff of ERL did not just stay indoors, which is a common misconception of engineers, that they just stay inside. Um, but they were actually outdoors, and they were not just on campus, but they were going throughout the state and actually throughout the globe. As I mentioned earlier, ERL had some international contracts. One of, one of the 1970s was with the Max Planck Institute out of Germany. In this study, large satellite tracking stations were constructed near the field station to collect data about the ionosphere. So if you were in Bozeman in the 1970s, you may have seen these large structures, and that's what's going on here. We also had, ERL also had a lot of connections with different departments on campus. Uh, specifically the psychology department, chemistry department, physics department, but also there's a lot of work done with the agricultural department and, um, if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. Department of Agriculture as well. ERL designed a number of products to collect data about livestock and crops. They also developed radio-controlled systems to help regulate the amount of irrigation a field received. The K40 lean fat ratio detector enabled animal scientists to determine the amount of fat in a cow using radiation. ERL also designed a pill, or members of ERL also designed a pill that could be detected using a radio frequency system used for identification purposes. Additionally, in the 1970s, ERL developed a computing and timing system for use in rodeos. This may have been one of the first computer-based timing systems used in rodeo and was operated by ERL students um, in Cobbley Hall. Additionally, in the 1970s, uh, ERL worked with the Montana Board of Crime Control to improve the communication between law enforcement agencies throughout the state. The, this entailed developing a speech scrambler, 
to prevent eavesdropper for eavesdroppers from accessing sensitive radio broadcasts. ERL also helped determine the proper radio equipment for the agencies to use and how to communicate with each other. Because up until this point, it seems that if you were a, in a sheriff's office in one county, you may not have the opportunity to talk to the police station in another county and have some sort of a connection between them. So through ERL, through the 1970s, you start developing this network of communication between all these stations. And so there's an opportunity to actually talk to each other and understand uh, what's going on in the state. More locally, ERL worked with Bridgerbolt to determine snow depth and other hydrometeorological readings from the slopes of MSU. And this is done through telemetry, where you can able to send uh, signals um, wirelessly to Ryan Labs and to this field station, but they were used to collect data for um, scientific studies and, and meteorological information. ERL also had a few projects involving forest fires. Early in, the, in ERL's history, lightning direction finders were developed as lightning is, is responsible for starting fires, especially in Alaska. Um, ERL students and staff also developed new fire training and detection systems that were used here in Montana and in other states. And here's an image of one of them um, that actually traveled around the country and another ERL student devised an infrared uh, fire detection system that could be used from planes. Um, now that now I've highlighted only a small portion of the projects that ERL conducted, and it really is just a small portion. This is a drop in the hat for everything that they did uh, uh, during the time that they were around. Um, but due to our time today, I want us to head back to 1960 and an important development in ERL's history. In 1960, a group of engineers and students spun off of ERL and formed their own electrics company called Montronics. After about two years, John Fluke Manufacturing Company from Seattle acquired this company. And at its peak, Montronics employed about around 100 people, including many ERL graduates. However, Fluke eventually relocated production to Seattle after a couple years. Some staff returned to Montana State University um, as professors, stockroom supervisors, and fabrication supervisors. Additionally, at the end of 1960s, two more companies spun off of ERL, Summit Engineering and Western Telecomputing. At the beginning of the 1970s, another group spun off, Developing Technology Incorporated. Each of these companies inhabited the Huffman Building for a time. Another company, Teletech, spun off in the, in the early 1970s as well. Each of these companies had varying degrees of success, but provided opportunities for the growth of the electronics industry in, Monta in Montana, and specifically in Bozeman. Other companies employed ERL staff in the, result, in the role of consultants. This appears to be the case with Tetragenics, which started in 1972 and helped meet the needs of Montana Power Company, specifically in the use of digital computers to automate Ryan Dam. A critical piece of ERL's success had to do with its students. ERL offered funding opportunities and real-world experiences that enabled students to, to obtain advanced degrees and positions with electronics companies in and out of state. Some students earned positions at MSU and had careers, successful careers as professors of electrical engineering. Others formed local electronics companies or worked within them. Additionally, some students returned home to distant countries to work in companies or in higher education. Ultimately, the experiences they had with ERL and the, ERA, and the electrical engineering department equipped them with the knowledge and ability to be highly competitive in the field. 
As for the companies that ERL worked with, I provided a select list as I keep uncovering more agencies and companies in my research. Some of these sponsors had long-term relationships with ERL, and many helped fund the education of graduate students. As you can see, there's a mixture of companies you may be familiar with, such as Boeing and IBM, as well as some governmental agencies. Additionally, you might see the Deaconess Hospital, in which ERL worked with on computer systems and in designing defibrillators. In time, however, ERL's entity seems to disappear. When I asked about the end of ERL, I received multiple responses. Some point to the companies that emerged from ERL as the cause of the end of ERL. A few mentioned the late 1970s and the early 80s, as many of the ERL staff from the early days began to retire and were not replaced. Others pointed to the 1980s, suggesting that the reports were still being published under the ERL heading. In some way, I think they're all correct. Each of these reasons contributed to the eventual disappearance of ERL. Another contributor suggested by a few was the change in funding that occurred in the late 1960s and early 1970s. Before this change, the overhead money earned from the contracts was used to upgrade equipment, spur new research, fund graduate students, and hire new staff and faculty. Often this money was rolled over to other years. However, it was suggested that some parties within the MSU administration and the Montana government saw better use for this money and changed the funding model. This, related, this resulted in less funds for ERL. Additionally, some staff felt the sting of the publish or perish adage that accompanies higher education promotions. Unfortunately, projects classified as secret cannot be published in the same way as non-secret projects. A couple of participants suggested that the focus of research then changed to meet the publish or perish model and thus limited what ERL could do. Regardless of the exact reason for its disappearance, by the mid-1980s, ERL as an entity, either in name only or in practice, seems to have faded away. Which brings us to today. What was ERL? ERL was a research and teaching program that offered students and instructors opportunities for actual practical experience, which allowed all involved with opportunities for local and regional, national and international contracts and research. However, due to changes within the university system, coupled with opportunities to pursue research and application, ac outside academia, uh, ERL as an entity gradually diminished. However, it provided a model that continued to, to inspire the continual development of the electrical engineering and electrical and computer engineering programs here at MSU. Further, the model for inspiring industrial spin-offs provided the opportunity for the construction of the industrial park and the active electrical engineering and technology industries in and around Bozeman today. Finally, the Bozeman Daily Chronicle and the Montana State University website recently ran a story about a large donation to the engineering department. The donation came from Bill Wurst, who was, who was involved in the early days of ERL and left to help start Montronics before a successful career at Hewlett-Packard. I bring this up because both sites failed to mention his involvement with ERL. Perhaps they didn't know, and that's why this project is important, so people are familiar with the work that these engineers did. However, his gift of $4 million to the College of Engineering, I think, demonstrates how much his time here at MSU meant to him, and how his graduate education with electrical engineering, and ERL in particular, helped him throughout his career. 
Electronics Research Laboratory may have faded away, but its legacy exists in how it helped bring Montana State University into the computer age, and in turn laid the groundwork for numerous engineering and electronics industries in Bozeman and Montana. Thank you.